the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today we begin our journey to Lent. Uh, it's five Sundays before Lent, and the five Sundays have special themes in regard to the preparation, our preparation for entering Great and Holy Lent. Uh, the first theme is desire. Uh, can either the, the scripture could be read can be Zacchaeus or the Canaanite woman. Today we have the Canaanite woman. It's followed by the uh, gospel account of the publican and the Pharisee, the theme being humility. That is followed by the prodigal son, the theme being uh, return and repentance. Then we have the Sunday of last judgment, where Christ judges uh, those, some on the right and some on the left. And that theme is love. Did we love, did we accept or reject the love of Christ? And then finally, before we begin Lent, we enter the Sunday of Forgiveness, where God puts that beautiful virtue before us and asks us to forgive others as he forgives us. And so today, we focus on desire, the fifth Sunday before Lent, how do you desire Christ? Do you desire him? How firm is that desire? How strongly are you willing to pursue that desire? The soul is made up, has three components to it. Uh, one way to look at the soul, the first is it has the ability to desire. Secondly, it has the ability to act. Third, it has the ability to know God. Okay, so we focus on this aspect of the soul today. Do you desire God? And how firm is that desire? Is it easily shaken? Are there other desires that are higher than that desire? We see Zacchaeus, the account of Zacchaeus, his desire for Christ is so great that even his small stature did not prevent him from climbing up in a sycamore tree and, and seeing Christ. And the Lord said to him, Come down, Zacchaeus, I need to visit your house. And then went into the house of this tax collector and he said, today salvation has come to this house because he saw his desire for, for God. He saw Zacchaeus' desire for him. So he entered his house and said, this salvation has come to this house today. The, the account of the Canaanite woman is certainly desire-tested. It's one, to me, it's one of the most uncomfortable verses in the Scripture. It's, 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 a, it's a moment where you don't think Christ is going to say what he's going to say, but he says it. It's like, wow, he really did call her a dog. Wow. Did he really say that? So let's take a look at this because I think it teaches us so much about our desire being tested. Because sometimes God will be silent as he was to the Canaanite woman. Sometimes we'll be discouraged by other people to pursue our desire for God. Sometimes God will himself distance himself from us to test our desire. Sometimes we may even get from him 
or from somebody we love a embarrassing rebuke. Have you ever been in any of those places? <laughs> yes, I have. So let's take a look at that and then we can see how it can be applied to us. The Canaanite woman, uh, Canaanite uh, outside of the Jewish community, so what was she to what was she coming for? She knows that Jesus is the Son, uh, the Lord, the Son of David, and he has ability to do miracles. And she has a demon possessed daughter, and he, she says to him, Have mercy on me, Lord, Son of David. My daughter is severely possessed by a demon. You know, in so many accounts, the Lord immediately acts. Immediately acts on that kind of a command. Here, he knows how deep her desire for God is, how strong her faith is, so he, he shows, he's going to show how strong her faith is to everybody around. We think this is kind of cruel in a sense, but he knows that she's going to pursue and follow through with all the tests that he puts before her. So she comes to him, and she begs him, knowing in her heart how desperately she wants her daughter healed. And it says, but Jesus didn't answer her a word. He didn't say a word to her, like ignored her. Have you ever felt your prayers ignored? Have you ever felt silence from God when you ask something? You ask, and there's no response. You ask again, there's no response. So what was, her, what was her reaction to that? Did she flee away? Was her desire just that strong? One request was going to do it? If that was not enough, Jesus being silent. His disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, she's crying out after us. So not only does Jesus not say anything, she hears the discouragement from the disciples. Send her away. Oh, my goodness. This woman is brokenhearted over a severely demon-possessed daughter, and the disciples are sending her away after the Lord is silent. So what's her response? She stays. And Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I wasn't sent to help you. Oh, my goodness. What is she going to do? Does she... What do you mean? You weren't helped to send me. I'm hurting. So what's her response to these things? First, silence then discouraged from the apostles. Then the Lord says, I wasn't, helped, I wasn't sent to help you. So if you're in this condition, I think this teaches us what we should do when we feel this distance from God in our requests. So Jesus answered, but she came and knelt before him. After all this, she didn't run away, she didn't defend herself. She didn't get upset at him. She bent down on her knees before him and said, Lord, help me. 
Lord, help me. Not discouraged. Her desire was so strong that there was nothing that was going to get in the way of this request. And of course, then the Lord responded positively. And Jesus answered, Oh, it's not fair to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Ouch! What is he doing? Doesn't he see her desire is so fulfilled at this point? And then the most amazing word in this whole text is next. She says, yes. Yes. I'm not worthy. I'm not able. I'm not a Jew. I'm not one of the people. But Lord, she says in her words, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs from the children's table. Yes, I'm not worthy, Lord, but I'm, I am not going to, I'm not going to pull back on my desire. That's not going to happen. You want to rebuke me one more time? I'll get down lower on my knee. You want to put me, you be silent a little longer? I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm not relenting. I know you can help me. I'm not going to stop coming to you. And of course, all along the Lord knows what's going to happen. And then he says, in front of everybody, and this is preached for 2,000 years afterwards, Oh, woman, great is your faith. So here's this lowly Canaanite woman who, just simple, poor woman, who's elevated on the fifth Sunday before Lent every year. She desired God so greatly that nothing was going to stand in the way. Absolutely nothing. Not even a rebuke from the Lord. Not even silence from God. Not even rebuke from the disciples. Nothing would stand in the way of her getting what she knew he could give to her. Be it done to you, for you, be it done for you as you desire. As you desire. Wow. And her daughter was healed at that very hour. This is an incredible text. I think it teaches us so much about how we are to respond. How we, is your desire for God ever tested? How do you respond to that? You back off when he's silent? When there's a rebuke, it gets a little tough? Or you feel maybe that, you know, life's not going, God's not treating you like he should? You're not getting what you deserve? Or do you back off then? What's the test that God puts before us? You know, I think that there's, in many ways, when we look at our commitment to God, there are three ways you can look at it. One is I have a desire for God, and I'm going to try, try. I'm just going to make my effort. Secondly is I'll do my best. 
Thirdly, and this is the the plight of the Canaanite woman, I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I will tell you, one and two will fail you. I'll try. I'll try to keep my desire for God at the top. You'll fail. I'll do my best. You'll fail. I'll do whatever it takes. Oh, great is your faith. That, you have to go after it that way. It cannot be try and do your best. That will not be enough. I'll do whatever it takes. That's her testimony. So for us, how do we, how do we live this way? What is the test? What are our tests as Christian people? First, I think the test is in our relationship with one another. And that relationship is focused on the virtue of forgiveness. How, how, what is your desire to have a forgiving relationship with everybody that you know? What's your desire for that? Are you going to try? Are you going to do your best? Or are you going to do whatever it takes? Because that one will take it for whatever it takes. You have to go after that one for whatever it takes. Because there's so many times that an effort is made to forgive somebody and you don't see any change in them. You know something that's interesting here? I was thinking about this when I was doing the homily. You know, to forgive isn't about somebody changing. You know who it's about changing? It's about you changing. It's about you finding peace in your heart in relationship to other people. Now, it's up to them to respond to that. But in your heart, it must be at peace with all people to the best you can. No exceptions. No exceptions. Now, you may not have a peaceful relationship with everybody, but you've done your best in each situation that you can to be at peace with them. And your heart will find quietness and contentment in that. I tell people sometimes they come to me and say, Father, I'm working on a relationship here and, and I, need to, I need to forgive this person uh, and I need to go talk to them. And my, at, my question to them is always, have you forgiven them? Well, no, the conversation, will, I'll do that in the conversation. I said, no, you won't. You, if you go to forgive somebody or ask their forgiveness about something or engage this relationship, you and your heart better forgive them first. It has turned on me way too many times. Well, I'll have a conversation with them and I'll say this and they'll say that and I'll say this and they'll say that and we'll hug and we'll be okay. Well, I go to them and they say this and oops, they didn't respond like I thought they were going to respond. Oops. And my heart, because it's not a forgiving heart, is filled with anger. You have to work to forgive and you have to do whatever it takes to get there in your heart. In your heart. And, and you know, you, you can feel it, and sometimes it kind of boils in us, this forgiveness, this lack of forgiveness. So do whatever it takes. You know, St. John of Kronstadt said, interestingly enough, he said, we're to, all, we're to love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. And he says that then there's always excuses why I can't love. He uses this term, he says, force yourself to love. Force yourself to love. 
Make that effort. Be relentless with it. Do whatever it takes to love them. Keep making that effort. You know, we're taught that the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent will take it by force. You have to be tough with yourself to get through these things, to allow your desire for God to, to be at that peak place in your, in your heart. Also, we are tested in our desire to draw near to God. Do I want to be close to Christ? You know, we get up to do our prayer in the morning or whenever we do our prayer, and our prayer is so that we will draw near to Christ. How much do I desire to draw near to God? Do I desire to draw near to God then, or to sleep 10 more minutes? Do I draw near to God or am I going to do something before, rather than come to uh, Great Vespers on Saturday night? I have a little break in the, my schedule. I can get to Great Vespers. Oh, I think I'll watch uh, Jeopardy. I don't even know what's on then. It probably is. Or the reruns of Seinfeld. Okay, let's do that. Okay, well, what is your desire for God? It's tested all the time to, to draw you to Him. But you have to be relentless with that. Your commitment has to be so strong, it's, I'm going to do whatever it takes. If you made a commitment to get to Great Vespers, then get there. Whatever it takes. You know, Father, I, you know, I, I say this, I should say about myself because it's been my spiritual father. I'm searching for a new spiritual father. So I haven't been to confession for a while. And so, um, you know what? We always say that. We come, oh, I haven't been. I, 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 I felt like coming to confession. I should have come months ago. I say that, and I, I hear that. Well, then come. Then come. If you need to confess, confess. Come. So, and that brings me to uh, another idea of drawing near to God, which I think is important, and that is repentance. You know, we need to repent all the time. And I mean simply. You know when we fall a little bit or I say an unkind word to somebody, I need to forgive, ask God to forgive me right then. And I need to apologize. You know, if, if I, and I do this a little bit, you know, have you ever been in prayer and you start praying and all of a sudden you're thinking about hot dogs or ice cream? I don't think about ice cream in prayer, but I think about it afterwards. Your, your mind wanders away. Repent. God, forgive me. And turn to God quickly. I think the goal for us is to learn to repent quickly. Not to let things go. And to repent on the spot. You say an unkind word, repent. If you have an unkind thought, repent. Do it right away. Turn back to God immediately. Right away. Don't wait. So make that repentance quick. So you kind of get back up fast. You know, we, we've said it over and over again that the Christian life is about falling and getting up, falling and getting up. Well, learn to get up fast. That's important. Well, I got up. It took me five weeks. No, it should take you five minutes. Get up, repent, get up, move on. 
God's a forgiving God. God's a merciful God. Turn to him. Okay, finally, um, the last test we have, the Lord says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then everything is added to us then. So we are called to seek the kingdom of God. When you put that in front of you, what is your desire there? What is your desire in regard to seeking the kingdom? You know, we have so many distractions, so many things around us that pull us away from that. What does God call you to do in his kingdom? Do you know that? Do you know what he's called you to do? Can you name it? It, it may be raise my children, maybe work hard uh, at, at work and to be a, a light of Christ in the world. It may be, but you need to know what it is. You need to name it. Name what God has called you to do. If you can't name it, you need to look for it. And as soon as you do it, then you need to apply this axiom. I'm going to do whatever it takes to do that. I'm going to do whatever it takes to do that. And then there's, so there's no excuses. Okay, so, and, and, then I, and then you pray to God where he wants you to do that. You know, well, Lord, he wants to send me to Minnesota. That's too cold there. No, not if God has called you to that. Not if that's your, your heart's desire to serve God in his kingdom, and that's where he's called you. He's called many of you to Santa Barbara. And, and the word here is it's too expensive to live. Not if God's called you. Not if he's called you here, it isn't. You, know, you may not have the prettiest house. You may not even own a house, like me. But God's called you, and it'll work. You know, I, I, He's called you to the inner city. Oh, it's too dangerous there. See, those, that's not the language of the kingdom. You never heard the disciples say that. Oh, I want you to go to India. Oh, I don't know the language, Lord. They didn't say that. I want you to go to Rome. Oh, it's too dangerous there. That's too close to the Caesars. They'll kill us. See, God wants you to serve him in his kingdom. He wants you to be all that you can be. For him. For him. To serve Christ and his kingdom. And you need to know what you're to do in that. And then you need to say, I'll do whatever it takes to do that. Life is so rich and full when we have that as our byword. So God, allow us to pass the test for our desire. May our efforts with our relationships, with, with our prayer, with our repentance, and with our place in your kingdom be a glory to you. For these great words should always encourage us when we put God first in our desire. Know in all things we are more than conquerors for him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation 
will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.